Hello, everyone. Welcome to Almost 30. It's Linz and Krista. Here to welcome you. Here to welcome you. Let's take a <laughs> let's take a breath. Mm. like I needed that. I needed that quite a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're here. And if you're new, welcome. You don't need to be 30 to listen. Lindsay and I are past it. Um, And we've also spoken with Gabby before. So if you're here for Gabby, welcome. We've had an interview with her previously. So you can search Almost 30 Gabby Bernstein to find our first interview, which was super powerful. Yeah. I just love... I love Gabby. We've had the privilege of seeing her speak in person. Mm -hmm. We've gone to her bestseller masterclass. And there's a a no bullshit part of Gabby mm-hmm. that I respect so deeply and how present she is to her own life to be able to share in real time what she's going through and eventually kind of translate that into her next like message and teaching is is really, I think, profound. Yeah. It's like when you're at the level that she's at, you know, where she's like New York Times bestseller, she has a membership. She's just so such a profound figure in the space. It's like, you can't be bullshitting. You don't have time for mm-hmm. like, and when we say bullshit, it's like just dancing around whatever the answer or whatever the issue is, you know? So if you see her on her IGTVs that she's been doing, it's like, she gets really to the point. Yes. And that is powerful because so many of us have so many stories that we tell, you know, if like we have an issue with X, Y, and Z, it's like, what is the actual issue, not the story, not whatever you're telling yourself, not whatever excuses that you have. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't wait to like be like that. She totally. (laughs) Can't wait to have the right to be like that. She is that cool, like that cool aunt energy. And I just mean that in the sense that I really look up to her. And she's able to, in the moment, pinpoint exactly um, where you're trying to kind of wiggle your way out of the learning. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I think she's such a, a grounding force. And last time we talked to her, we actually were in person in New York. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, after she had gone through her postpartum depression and was so honest and open about that experience. And we meet her now just as her new Audible exclusive comes out, You Are the Guru. And she's at a different place in her life again and just so happy. Um, and and what I find so cool is that, you know, she's she's come to a place that no matter what is going on around her or in the world, she's been able to anchor in to her own truth and intuition no matter what. And in this Audible exclusive um, in particular, um, she's sharing messages that will help you do just that. What did I say at the beginning? So the Audible exclusive is You Are the Guru. And I, at the beginning of the interview, which was amazing, it was really professional of me. I think I was like, you are not the guru. Well, yeah. What did there, I say? There's a Because of the Tony Robbins. Yeah. The Tony Robbins things. The Tony Robbins, I am not your guru. I was like, you are the guru. She's not the guru. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. I was like, I want her to be my guru. <laughs> Please. But yeah, I think it's also crazy too, you know, how, what she's taken from... And I think this is a good lesson for all of us. It's like, as we see gurus among us, quote unquote, fall from grace, whatever the grace that we, or pedestal that we put them on, 
to like take the messages and distill really the power of a lot of the messages. And she did that with a profound figure within, you know, um, a yoga community that she used to subscribe to. And really with this book, took the teachings of that figure, that guru who had fallen and now disseminates them in her own language mm-hmm. and provides them, you know, for us to learn. Because there is a lot to be learned from a lot of those people, but then it just kind of goes awry. Yeah. And there's just, I don't think it's healthy to have kind of that, attachment and dependency on one person, you know? I think, you know, the teaching really speaks for itself and to be able to translate it for yourself and apply it to your own life without like, I think when you have that figurehead, there's like almost a self-judgment because you're constantly comparing to that person. Gabby's awesome. I really, Mm -hmm. I really love her and enjoy her and can't wait just to see. She has another book she's working on. Mm -hmm. The woman is always... Working on a book. Yeah. And so we, Lindsay and I went to Kripalu, I think this was last year, earlier this year. It might've yeah. been like February. Um, February. Yeah. February. Uh-huh. So she has a bestseller masterclass, which is now actually available for people. And we got to go to the workshop in person with her, which was so fun. So fun. And then, but also what was crazy just to hear about her writing process is like air fucking tight. Mm-hmm. It's like she she writes, I don't know if it's every day, but she'll do like a chapter, a few pages, send it to her editor. Her editor will send it back with notes and they just have a beautiful system where it's getting edited as they go. And then her husband is the last editor for the entire book, all of her books. And, and she's someone that I think people really look up to as someone who very clearly presents one message very thoroughly in multiple ways in a book and really gets that through. Yes. You know, whether it's the universe has your back or spirit junkie or judgment detox. And it also was interesting too, and I think she mentioned it on the podcast here, but at the bestseller masterclass, she was talking about judgment detox and how the book publishers didn't want that name, Judgment Detox, and they didn't want that cover, but she really pushed for it because it was like truth to what she was saying, that it was a Judgment Detox and it wasn't going to be a really fluffy title like, don't judge, yeah, love everyone, you yeah. know, whatever that was. So I think the ins and outs of that are is fascinating. And the, what we learned at the Bestseller Masterclass was like crazy. Dude, I could not believe she was sharing basically everything mm-hmm. we need to know in order yeah. to write a book, which I think you mentioned in the interview, just it just says so much about her, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's one, there's space for everyone. She's so generous with what she's learned. And yeah, I think this best if you're if you're looking to write a book, I would highly recommend mm-hmm. it's now digital and and available to buy whenever. But we learned so, so much for our book writing process. Yeah, so we talked in this about you are the guru, like the impetus behind it, her leaving that community to really um, share these messages. We talked about her um, relationship with eating and how that's evolved. That was a question I had because I really love what she said in her work around that. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the difference between surrendering and finding creative solutions. How do you find a creative solution while surrendering it to the universe? Um, Which was great. Yeah, she... uh... She also shared uh, just how compassion creates connection. And it sounds obvious, but it's it's really developing that compassion for yourself first. So that translates to all of your other relationships. And, 
you know, I think during this time in particular that we're living through, it's it's really important to foster that so that we do still feel that connection with one another. And we also talk about taking inspired action and seeing through the lens of love as opposed to the lens of fear. And she just gives really tactical ways in which we can do that on a daily basis. And it's really a practice. It's not like, oh, snap your fingers, you see through the lens of love. This is an every day practice. Yeah. It's, this is such a fun one. So we're so grateful that you're here to listen to it. Um, you can get, you are the guru on audible. It's mm-hmm. just audio and audible. Um, and I think she said, if you sign up for a membership, you get it like free, free or something. Yeah. yeah. So she's really excited about that. Mm-hmm. We love you, Gabby. Thank you for your time. And for anyone that does not follow Gabby, please do. She's on Instagram at Gabby Bernstein. You can visit GabbyBernstein.com for a plethora of resources and supportive courses and material. Her Miracle Membership is incredible. And then the Bestseller Masterclass is on there as well. Uh, And for our Almost 30 community, we have a bunch of really exciting things coming up. We have our Podcast Accelerator which is application only. We really want to create a curated group of current podcasters who we can help grow and monetize their show. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really small and intimate. You'll get tons of one-on-one time with Lindsay. You'll get like homework that we curate, that we go through, that we give feedback on and really just direct access to us and everything that we've learned to grow our show and monetize our business where we have a team, where we're on tour and all these things. So we're really excited about that. So yourpodcastpro.com for all those resources and for more information about our accelerator program. Yeah. And just another note on Gabby, it's really exciting. On October 1st, she has a webinar on intuition reactivation. So... Go ahead and join that. Anything with Gabby is just super, super powerful. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a free webinar. It's going to be really amazing. So you can go to our show notes for the link to register for free. All right, y'all. Enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side. We were with you in New York and it feels like such a different time. And we got to go to your masterclass, which was such a dream and so powerful. And Lindsay and I learned so much, not only about writing books, but just about being a leader from you. And so, you know, we're so grateful to talk to you today about You Are Not Your Guru and just catch up. You um, are the guru. You are the guru. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you are I the guru. am not your guru. Yes, yes, yes. Like, you are not I know you don't guru. want to be, but you kind of are. So it's like it's like a whole thing. I need to get into the audible. On that one. <laughs> but I wanted to just check in. Last time, you know, we connected, um, you were actually going through a lot with postpartum. And, you know, I know that's been something that you're really passionate about because of what you went through. And I just wanted to see, you know, how you're doing mentally from that point. Yeah, mentally, all I hear are fucking jackhammers. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. I've never been better in my entire oh. life. Uh, um, thank you so much for for checking back in about that. I I'm so grateful for that horrible experience. It was the worst experience of my life, but the best breakthrough of my life because what it gave me was a healing path that was really sped up and uh, super devoted. And I was always on a very deep dive healing. This made it even more. It also helped me establish a greater understanding of what mental illness is and how I can speak to that in a really authentic way because I understand it personally. In addition, it also helped me become a, a you know a real a really educated on 
some of the most transformational therapeutic techniques like IFS and EMDR and SE and EFT and just just um, now I'm getting into neurofeedback and so just just really going further beyond a how how we can spiritually approach our mental illness and mental conditions but how we can therapeutically approach mental illness or not even I don't even want to call it mental illness just just feeling like crap how and what are the tools that we can use even beyond self-help practices and how does and where do those spiritual self-help practices intersect with uh, psychology and so it's been very 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 cool and I've never been happier in my entire life oh my god so this is the gift that you get from having to go to hell and back and be you know suicidal thank you universe and it's also not that it's just a gift that was given to me it's a gift I claimed through being super devoted to my personal growth and super devoted to my recovery. Mm. And now I, I, you know, I had insomnia at that time and now I sleep 10 hours a night without no melatonin. That is a miracle. There's nothing better to be honest. Yeah. The claiming of that like (laughs) period of crisis is it's so powerful to, to hear you articulate because I don't know, I think there is kind of a narrative out there that's like, how do you transcend it? How you how do you kind of like bypass this time and you really just you really walked through and claimed it as hard as it was. I guess I'd love I'd love to know like what you understand now about a time of crisis like that. Cause I know a lot of people are going through just a life upheaval in so many different yeah. ways because of what's going yeah. on on earth. Yeah. Uh, what I know now is that we have two choices in times of crisis. The first choice is to give in to the crisis, to give in to the ways that we would try to control it, give in to the, the numbing out, or to go big and come out the other side. And when I say go big, show up for what's up show up for the personal growth opportunity, to show up for the healing opportunity, to show up for uh, opportunity to change and grow and, and come out new. So I've been saying this actually throughout the entire pandemic experience that we have two ways to approach what's happening right now. Uh, the first way being we can numb out, the second way being we can rise up and show up. So I've chosen, and I know you have as well, because you wouldn't be shining so bright mm. and, and, and just doing such beautiful work in the world. I'm so proud of you guys. You. Uh, if if you weren't making that commitment to yourselves, because you wouldn't be able to serve in the way that you are. Mm. So it's not if anyone's listening and they're like, well, I've been numbing out and I've been drinking and eat, oh, binging. That's okay. Right now is a moment. Right now is a pivot moment. Right now is a chance to say, well, I was guided to this podcast for a reason. I have an opportunity to see this bottom as a breakthrough. And I can, I can choose to really open up to the creative possibility that things could be better. Yeah, it's so powerful. And a lot of, you know, I've been loving too the lives that you've been doing with people where you're just pulling people on and like really working them through it and calling them out, you know, on everything. So, you know, as people, people hear this and then, you know, what do you say when people come with the excuses of X, Y, and Z? Like how can they work through the excuses in their mind so that they can really see this as an opportunity? 
that example you just gave actually is one way. When you open up to creative possibilities and you choose to see things through the lens of love, which is the first step in the You Are the Guru audiobook, when you choose to see through the lens of love, that's when creative solutions are presented to you, which is one of the other steps. So we have these moments throughout our life where things seem to be seemingly taken from us, but we have the other, there, so there's this perspective of being like, I'm the victim, the universe took this from me, or there's the perspective of, well, I have a opportunity to pivot. How can I do things differently now? That is the choice I made. So I, at first, felt like, okay, the universe took my stage from me. I had dozens of talks all throughout the world. I was ready. My, you know, my, my, you know, diamond medallion on Delta was set, right? (laughs) Like I was traveling, traveling, traveling. The universe had a different plan for that part of my life. And my stage was taken from me, you know, the da, 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 da. And so I thought of, you know, I worked on these different ways of trying to communicate through the internet and I'd been doing it for years, but never loved it as much as I loved being on stage. And I was like, you know, what do I love most? What is it in my career, in my life that I think is the most creative, most lit up that I am? And it's when I am talking one-on-one with people and when I am taking Q&A during my live talks. And you guys have seen me speak live. So, you know, it's like the one that Q&A is just like where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, creative possibilities. There's every, you know, Instagram live is making it possible for me to connect to people, bring them onto my show effortlessly. And so let me just start my own show. And here I was started a show called Dear Gabby. And it's become the most exciting, most fun thing I do throughout this entire pandemic. And it's serving so many people and it's going to be a television show. You know, it's going to, it's going to, be so much bigger than just an Instagram thing. So that I could never have planned. Could never have planned that. So that's why we have to be open to creative possibilities, which is one of the steps in You Are the Guru. When we see through the lens of love, it opens up our consciousness to see things differently. And then once our consciousness opens up, that's when we surrender to creative possibilities. And those creative possibilities are presented to us as solutions. They are not you know, oh, I have to do this because I had to do that. It's like, I get to do this now because mm. I can't do that anymore. And so it's, it's it's a totally different perspective, but then so much greatness can come out of it. I bet the same's happened for you guys. You know, you're probably interviewing people that you may not have been able to get before because you wanted them to travel to you or whatever. And now you're seeing, you know, it's like, there's so many things that can come of these moments. Uh, and I think even for folks that are spending more time with their children, that's a creative solution right there an amazing possibility that otherwise wouldn't have happened. And then there's folks that maybe just want to stay numb and, and don't want to don't want to go further. Those are the choices. Yeah, the creative solutions, you know, we've been I feel like that's been activated mm-hmm. uh within almost 30 and it's it's helped to bypass the limited mind. Like mm-hmm. I've just I felt so much more connected to spirit in that way because like when we go outside of the box of what we what we think would work logically, there is just this like special, special connection and spark that happens to open up, like you said, just kind of this other, almost like otherworldly realm of possibility. So I think that's super, super powerful. You mentioned the lens of love, which is the first message of you are the guru. Okay. Yeah. I, I love that. And I'd actually, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about people out there who are having a really hard time like finding that finding that lens and, 
and feeling so um, disconnected from hope right. and and love in general. So I'd love to talk about how we can we can put on that lens of love, you know, in that in in the everyday. Yeah, I think every st- all six of the messages in the book really are designed to have hope be the outcome, mm-hmm. have more faith be the outcome. The messages are all about seeing more love through our perspective, but also seeing ourselves as not alone right now, that we're all in this together. This is the most connected the world has ever been. There is an opportunity to see the connection between others that we may not have ever been able to experience. People are having an awakening and a a realization of their ability to witness themselves and other people. There's more time for stillness for many folks, not for everybody, but for many folks. And and then one of the messages is in stillness, I receive. Mm -hmm. So that hope comes when we slow down and listen. That hope comes when we surrender to creative solutions. That hope comes when we choose to see our circumstances through the lens of love rather than the lens of fear. So the, the, this, each message is there to remind you of what you already know. All of us have within us the capacity to live in a way that is much more positive than the way that we do live, but we have to be in a conscious contact with a different perspective in order to make that new perspective sustainable. And that's what that's what the whole point of this audible is, is to just give you these messages to return to and return to and return to so that you really just get in the habit of leaning in that direction. Mm. So looking through the lens of love is a habit. It's a new habit. I think that's probably one of the best ways to put it. It's and 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 every and even just using the messages and saying the messages out loud become a habit. And when we habitually begin to shift our thinking, that is when we start to feel different. You know, I was just on like a morning show this morning and 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 speaking about this in such a in just a very simplified way of just saying that we cannot change our experience right now, but we can change our experience of our experience. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. And I think one thing I do want to talk about um, is the title of the book or the title of the audiobook, And just like, what was like the impetus for that? Or what was your inspiration for that? Because it, it almost, for me, just being like such a fan of yours, it feels like it's been a title that you've had as a title that you've wanted to create work around, because I feel like that's been a message within your messages before, but I'd love to hear more about it. Yes. So I originally wrote this book based on five sutras that were given to me in a spiritual community. And they were interpreting the sutras of this guru who uh, I had really gotten behind and really promoted and, and, and had been very touched by the work. Only as I was about to, to deliver the book and the manuscript about a month earlier, a lot of information about this guru came out that was very disturbing uh, about sexual violence and, and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I was embarrassed. Here I was, you know, this, this voice box being, you know, very vocal about this man. And let's not take anything away from the teachings. I just want to say that first of all, you know, many of my close friends and friends and, you know, connected people in my world... Uh, are devoted to that type of that teaching. The teaching served me and saved me in many ways. But the uh, quoting of this man and the, you know, devotion to this man was exactly 
what A Course in Miracles refers to is do not make an idol of anyone because if that idol falls, you fall with them. So here I was just heartbroken. This is the second time this had happened to me. Another guru of mine had been caught out. Now he's in jail, incarcerated for, for being just a horrible human, frankly. And so it was really just, just struck by the reality that you can't make anybody your guru because when you do, their humanness can disappoint you and not only disappoint you, but rock you, you know, it can rock you. And you, you know, as a, as a woman who has, as all women we've experienced in some way, whether it be, you know, some kind of um, injustice, sexual injustice, or in some cases, sexual, you know, just, just, just unbelievable things that happen to women to have your guru be a, a, such a vile human in those ways can be really heartbreaking and triggering. So it was just really clear that, okay, I looked back at the manuscript and I realized that I actually did not have to change a single word, even except for the, the sutras. I wanted to rename the, these as messages that were more aligned with my language, take everything away from what the, you know, it's still that inspiration was there, but every word in the book was my messages, was my interpretation, was my, my take on what those, what those themes were. And so I readjusted these messages to be the messages for this time. I also added a chapter, and that chapter is called You Are the Guru, which is telling this story of how I'm not your guru as the author or the reader of this book. Uh, I don't want you to think I'm your guru. I don't, I don't want to perceive anyone else as my guru. I want to trust my own inner wisdom. And that's the voice that's coming through this entire audiobook is to guide the listener to really strengthen their own faith in their inner wisdom. Mm. So it's important for us to really establish that much, much greater sense of our own connection. It's very easy for us to say like, oh, like this person saved me or whatever. I'm going to follow this path so I can feel complete. We have to find that path within ourselves. Mm. And every message in this book is guiding you there. Yeah. I feel like this year has been, or maybe the, this year in the past year is like the year of the fall, like the falling of the guru. You know, I feel like there's just like a shift happening. And I don't know if it's when this, within the spiritual community or what have you, but it's like that sort of paradigm of others being a guru or a teacher or like better than, or the idolizing is changing. And it's almost like it's all shattering so that we can really understand that we are the guru. But it's, yeah, it's crazy to witness. And anyone that says that they're your guru, you know, that run the other way. Uh, <laughs> but most importantly, just just to recognize that as a, if anyone's teaching you, the greatest teacher, our teacher is, there's two things about a great teacher. One, that they're constantly learning, educating and teaching themselves. And two, that their primary intention is to teach you so that you don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. What is it about the attachment to a guru or a, a practice of sorts, like a, a practice that's attached to, say, a guru or a certain following that is harmful? Because I think we've all been there, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, whether it's spirituality based or even like following a certain health and wellness practice mm-hmm. that is like, creates this dogma around, you know, how you live your life. I guess what what do you feel like is the harm there? And um, from my perspective, I'm like, 
that it just further brings me away from myself mm. often because I'm not <laughs> trusting myself as much. Mm. I, I rely really heavily on on the other. So I guess I'd love to pick apart like kind of the harm of that. Sure, no problem. It's a great question. Well, first, let's just talk about the good elements of community and that when we find a path, like a yoga path, or if we find a wellness path that, or even a sober path, mm-hmm. that it's the community and the fellowship often that can be the savior to yes. people. But I'll use the sober example. It's like, because there is no leader and there is no guru, that's why the 12 steps works, right? 100%. So when it's like one, you know, one individual making all the calls or this like celebrity yogi that's now like your guru, like fuck that, mm-hmm. you know? Like that, <laughs> that is a recipe for disaster because once again, that person has so much humanness that will ultimately disappoint you and will take away from the teaching. So I think the harm is that when there's that one leader in place, that ruins the teachings for people. And that's why I so deeply do not want you or anyone to call me their guru because I want my work to continue to serve you even when I piss you off because of who I vote for. I piss you off because of some, you know, I curse on the show or if I piss you off because I say something that you don't agree with because I will piss you off because I'm human. But I don't don't want that to take away from your experience of the universe has your back or, you know, you know, like that would be heartbreaking to me. And I think that, you know, seeing students of mine decide they don't like me anymore. And that is so fine. I just don't want you to lose touch of what this work has meant to you. Because the work Mm -hmm. isn't my work. It's universal curriculum. I'm just translating it. So if someone decides they don't like me, I hope that the work doesn't go down with me. 100%. Yes. Yeah, I'm nodding so hard. It, on that too, it's like, you know, whenever, if we've had something where someone was, you know, said something about us or, you know, they were disappointed or something like that. I I remember there was earlier this year, there was a situation where it was kind of like we were the gurus that were fallen. And I remember telling Lindsay, like, I'm so heartbroken that they didn't know I was human. Like, I'm so sad that I didn't make it apparent enough that I was human and that I wasn't perfect and that nothing that I do would be perfect. And that was like, my, you know, a lot was like the missing piece. But for that, then as a leader like yourself, how do you, do you seek to humanize yourself or how do you seek to, to make sure that, you know, you are separate from the work and that the power of the work remains? Okay. Great question. And then I also want to go back to something you guys said earlier about attachment. So let's come to that question and then we'll go back to attachment. So, well, I, my, everything I do, every, everything I say, everything I write, every talk I give is based on my humanness. It's based on my own personal experiences of failure and destructions and all the ways that I have come back to life. So I know that it is my humanness that actually is the key to why people have been served by my work. That is 100%. And that's what I would teach anyone that's in the position of wanting to be uh, in the personal growth space or wanting to motivate people is to just tell the truth and be authentic and that that is the greatest service you can give. So it's my humanness that has allowed others to recognize themselves in me. And that recognition says, oh, I'm not alone. And that's the greatest gift you can give someone. I have definitely grown a lot over the last 15 years in this field. For years, I'm sure, you know, walking around like the yoga retreats or whatever, like in my, you know, funky clothes thinking I was hot shit, like whatever. That happened, (laughs) but that's something I grew out of. I know I lived like that. I, I can like laugh at the way I was. 
but that didn't, I wasn't harming anyone, but it wouldn't have been sustainable. Mm. So to live today, just knowing that I have a much different purpose here in the world, that my purpose is, is 100% to transform people's perceptions of their lives so that they can be free. Mm. That doesn't come with, that comes with a lot of responsibility and that responsibility requires of me to totally get over myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To be free. I, mm-hmm. How have you personally liberated yourself? Girl, so many ways. I know. <laughs> I, I guess like recently too. I feel like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very you, recently. Yeah. You've uh, been in such a profound season of your life as like an outsider looking in. It's really beautiful to see. Yeah. I've never been happier in my whole life. Well, I, I suffered from an anxiety disorder for my, for 39 years that culminated in postpartum depression and anxiety. And so treating that anxiety disorder uh, with really, really valuable therapeutic practices so uh, and life-changing practices that were helping me release trauma from my body, uh, reprogram my neural pathways, expand my, my window of tolerance to deal with certain emotional patterns has literally allowed me to become a new person. And I've, I've understand neuroplasticity on a whole other level now because you can literally change your brain when you devote your life to changing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what, you know, so you know, weekly, I've had the privilege of being able to afford and, and, and attract the greatest teachers so, and, and healers. So I've worked with some of the greatest EMDR therapists and SE therapists and um, now I'm training myself and doing the IFS training. And I did, I've been doing uh, somatic experience trainings on shame and I'm working on uh, IFS and addiction. And so I'm doing all of this in the pursuit of my own well-being, so that I can then be a guide for others so that they too can have a resurrection because everyone is in their own ways has trauma of some kind, whether it's trauma with a big T or trauma with a small T. We've all got it. And you know, one of the things you said was, why are we so attached to the group or the teacher or the or the path? Because we were we were unfortunately that attachment was breached as as we were children. And when that attachment is breached as a child, we will look for that attachment in so many different ways. And that's why we will make the teacher the guru. And when that teacher falls, we are super triggered because all of the you know traumas from our childhood with our father are activated or whatever it is, right? So, or your mom or your whatever. So that attachment breach is something that everyone in their own lives has experienced. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that out there that have, have had wonderful childhoods and are pretty well, well whole humans, but most people suffer in some way from the experience of having a uh, dissociation from the the loving presence of who they truly are. And so with that comes a lot of stuff to undo. And so I've been in the undoing and then the remembering, remembering of what it means to be at peace. Mm. And I have, I, I cannot even describe peace that I live in today. And I had a girlfriend staying with me for about a month and she was just like, it's so steady to be around you. I just feel so steady. Ooh. And I can even see it in my son. Mm-hmm. Like when I was going through the postpartum experience, my son would really attach to my husband, really attached to his nanny, and just was like kind of scared of me. And like, you know, he'd show up when it was dinner time or when I 
would put him to bed. He would like to let me hold him. But he was always like, <laughs> you know, very anxious around me. And as I became more and more steady, I became so safe for him. And now my kid just walks up to me for a hug. And he's, and when he hugs me, he goes, ah, oh, because he's safe with me now mm-hmm. because my energy is steady. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we can say all the right things, but if we are energetically off balance, people will feel it, particularly our children. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to see, you know, how staying home was, you know, being home more with your husband and your son, just like, has that helped you be more steady energetically? Oh yeah. Listen, I've always worked from home and my husband's the CEO of our company. So we've worked from home together. We've been around our kid for the first three months. We didn't have any childcare. So that was really excellent because it gave me this bond that I needed to bridge back with my kid because I had we had, you know, that attachment was really kind of funky when you have, when your when your mother wants to kill herself, you know, so it's not, it's, I don't want to laugh about it for anyone that's going through that. I'm sorry, but it was that dramatic. And so that attachment was, you know, was underdeveloped. And so that three month period gave me the greatest gift of all, which was this mm-hmm. deep bond with my son. And that was, and then his, his, uh, his nanny, who's a, like one of my greatest friends at this stage in my life has come back into our world. And so she's here during the day to support us while we work. But that early stage was really wild. The biggest, that was probably the biggest change. Not traveling has given me a sustainable freedom so that I'm not feeling like I can get some, like a lot of momentum behind my personal growth. And that's what I think people can really reach into right now is that that being home or not being on a plane or not traveling or not running, you're left with yourself. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with you? Are you going to abuse yourself with, you know, overeating or are you going to love yourself more? So that's the question we have to all show up for at this time is how are we going to show up for ourselves? Mm-hmm. How has your intuition changed becoming a mother? Mm. Oh, well, it's definitely heightened. Yeah, I think that when you become a parent, you are given this universal mirror that you have in your face every day. And that mirror is saying, are you aligned or are you misaligned? Because that mirror will scream at you if you are not aligned. So uh, a little baby mirror. So it just has, a lot, it has given me the gift of presence, of really, really understanding and dwelling in a state of present moment and there's no better way to heighten your intuition and your spiritual connection than being in the present moment. Yeah. And it's almost like the mirror of your energy, you know, like we were talking about earlier, Correct. how it was like, okay, not really wanting to be around me all the time. This is like a sign that my energy is off is like a perfect example of that. And, you know, when we're talking about liberation, I think I'm a miracle member. Mm-hmm. And one of the audios that you did a while ago, this so this is probably like, and this is something of like something I think about as a way in which you've liberated yourself was around food and eating, and you know having the mantra like I love food and food loves me, mm-hmm. um, I love my body and my body loves me was like super I mean powerful for me that like audio in the Miracle Membership is one of my favorites. I found it to be so transformational. Do you feel like the liberation with food has like consist has been consistent for you and you feel like completely good with food and everything, especially after having a baby? 
Yeah, I've never felt better. My digestion's never been better. So what happens when you start to regulate your own nervous system and you start to get into a consistent state of relaxation, there's the relaxation response, which sets you up for your body to naturally heal itself. And so I have such a great digestive tract from somebody who had SIBO and you know all these different, you know, candida and so many other messed up things. And here I am just really comfortable and confident and eating what I want and eating comfortably. I recently had an experience where I uh, was taking hormones to support fertility and I gained about 10 pounds. First of all, I needed to. So I was lucky. Like everyone's like, wow, you look so great. I'm like, I just gained 10 pounds. Like, how do you think I look so good? But I was underweight, I think. And, and so but it was funny because I had been playing around with my diet and just being like, you know, I'll cut out the carbs and maybe I'll lose that weight again. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, first of all, if you're doing something hormonally, like there's no, you can't diet your way out of that. It's, you know, hormones are yeah. hormones. Uh, so just give yourself a break if you're out there, mama's trying to get pregnant or whatever. So that's that. But, but more importantly, it was like this moment of just being like, well, let me love my body the way it is now and actually appreciate the way it is now. And even if I don't fit into my jeans, I can just, you know, I'll get a pair of jeans. I'll, I'll wear my maternity jeans if I have to, like whatever I have to do at this moment, uh, you know. And thankfully, after having my kid, I mean, listen, I, I had so many ups and downs emotionally that that like I lost so much weight around the time that I saw you guys last. I was like so sickly underweight because of the baby. And so food has... Um, not been an issue for me, but like the perception of my body has been mm-hmm. like changing and changing when you have a child. Like you, you don't, you know, in some ways you can absolutely get back to where you were, but there's so much that changes. And so you have to just continue to love your body wherever it is. Uh, that's been something that's new for me because for a long time I've had a really good sustainable, like, oh, I can eat this way and I'll be this way, you know? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it was good. It was a good lesson for me. Yeah. It's so and I do powerful. better with 10 more pounds on me. So that was, you know, I a blessing. Mean, if, if, such a blessing. If this is 10 more pounds, you, it's, <laughs> it's fab. <laughs> you know, I'm actually like detoxed a little bit since that 10 more pounds, but yes, it's this is still partially there. Yeah. I think, I think too, it makes me think about you know, I loved the the message about compassion creates connection. And I think just speaking about the body, it's like when you have more compassion for yourself in the moment, I've just found my connection to self and to my own soul and spirit to be so strong. And then just everything kind of, it's like a butterfly effect. Everything is affected from there. So I'd love to talk about that compassion piece because I think we all think we practice it consistently, but there are moments when I I even feel like my ego kind of like nudging in and being like, wait, 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 wait. You know, like there is kind of this inner battle. So I'd love to talk about how people can can really practice that compassion every day. Yeah. Well, I think that one thing that we can do that's the best thing we could do is practice compassion towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because if we get good at being compassionate towards ourselves, then it's effortless to be compassionate towards others. The reason that we judge others is because we are really reflecting back a disowned part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the more complete we become in compassionately loving and caring for our own inner being, the 
more second nature it becomes to love others and be compassionate towards others. So uh, I like to really practice a lot of compassionate self-talk. I'll speak to myself all throughout the day. There's many moments where I can catch myself being like, you idiot, why'd you do that? And so I'll then say, okay, I'm going to forgive myself right now. You, You did the best you could. We'll work through this. We all have different parts of ourselves, and this is what what we learn in IFS therapy is that we've got we're all multiples. We've got this this multiplicity that isn't just for people who have you know uh, multiple personality disorder. We all have multiple personalities, and we have parts of ourselves that are shaming and and hate you know and and they're exiled parts that we don't want to look at, and then we have some caring parts that manage that exile. And so we we have to, when we start to recognize and identify these different parts, we can start to become more loving and compassionate towards them. And there's this moment when we, in that in that level of awareness of, of who you are, that you can really see your own innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's like I a, love that. it's an emotional moment mm-hmm. because of how much we, we forget. You know, and it's just such a purifying, purifying place place to be. I actually just a, an aside. I don't know what IFS. Yeah, I actually don't either. Is. I wanted to ask IFS you. IFS is internal family systems, and it was invented by a man called Richard Schwartz. Okay, uh, he was a family uh, therapist. In his work, he was at one point working with women who were bulimic, and he noticed that they were talking about these different parts of themselves. And then there was this part when they would get calm in the therapy, there was this part of them that he would notice would just you know, start to relax and was really resourceful and could really start to take care of the other parts. Mm-hmm. And that part was the self, which with a big S. He says the self with the big S. And so the self with the big S mm-hmm. is the part of us that is, is our inner guru. It is the inner guru. It is the part that's, that's like, we got this. You're going to be all right. It's a part that can be really soothing and compassionate. And then when you start to get to know the parts and you start to, there's, there's the exiled parts, there's the, the uh, firefighter parts. That's like the addict that wants to just like put out the fire, you know, and then there's uh, managers and so that are protectors. And so these, once you start to identify these different parts and practice working with them and getting connected to them and allowing the self to, to support them, then, and really recognizing there's no bad parts that's when you can really, 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 truly run your own family system. Let yourself mm. create this family, internal family system that flows wow. rather than being the victim of all the parts being triggered. Wow. Yeah. It's rad. It's I'll so rad. I'm writing a book right now that is going to literally knock your socks off. Is it the same one you're working on at the masterclass? I remember- yeah. Is it? Yes. Okay. It's the what? Yes, it's the one that's about yes. recovering from from mm-hmm. trauma and yeah, it's major. It's going to be insane. Powerful. It's interesting about the IFS. I was at therapy on Saturday. <laughs> I was like laying. I was like sitting in the couch, and she's like, "Oh, this is like a a different. This is like a different part of you I've never seen before today." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she I was like, just like, "Yep." Very I don't possible. know. <laughs> if your therapist ever says to you like. 
can we explore that part of you (laughs) or, you know, what does it feel like or where is it in your body? Or like, could that part of you step aside so we could see the other part that that, that's the sign she's doing IFS. Yeah. Yeah. She did IFS and somatics has been super helpful for me. And um, we're also going to do EMDR soon. I just can't shut up in my therapy and we haven't been able to get to it, but I want to talk about too within um, You Are the Guru, the creative solutions piece. So around creative solutions, how can someone surrender while still like being taking action in a creative way when things don't necessarily go as they planned? Sure. So I think that you kind of answered the question with the question. So when we take inspired actions that have no goal other than inspiration, when the goal is just let me feel inspired, let me enjoy this moment. That's surrender. And that's living in a, a creative force and allowing that creative force to move through you naturally with no agenda allows creative solutions to be presented to you. So if you are feeling stuck, do things that help you feel creative without any goal or agenda. Mm. What helps you feel creative? Cooking. Writing, then there's no goal or agenda. Even when I'm writing a book, I don't have a goal or agenda. Exercise makes me feel creative. Sometimes when I just move, like phys- I've been doing the trampoline lately. Yeah, L E K. I know you guys love. You more. were rocking that before mm-hmm. when we saw you too. Yep. I love the it's tramp. Still going on the L E K. Fit train. I love that. The, but now I'm doing bounce, and so I'm doing the trampoline. And babes, oh my god, I love that trampoline. And uh, even like going in a sauna, kind of. Is inspiring. That's what she says. Yeah, it's she's like, like a, I get great ideas in the sauna. It, yeah, there's something about. I think it's the de- detoxification, but then also it's like a little pod. It turns my mind off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you're not distracted. Ooh, exactly, it's mm-hmm. the best. I love that. It's because you're not allowed to bring phones in the sauna. Probably, <laughs> you're like, we can't actually bring phones in the sauna. Something that you talked about in you know your Instagram series was that judgment detox was like really selling right now and selling this year that it was like selling more than ever. And so I'd love to talk about that. Like why do you think that is and why do you think that message is just so important and resonating now? So yes, Judgment Detox is my book that uh is so it's a funny book because I in so many ways, wish I'd never named it Judgment Detox and and didn't and wish that they didn't have such a dark cover because I think so many more people would have bought it because they're like, oh, you know, I don't want a Judgment Detox. But I also am glad that I didn't lie to the reader because it's a hard book. And when I find out that people finish that book, I'm like, wow, you're a real serious student because that's a devotional commitment. And a lot of people do not get through that book. But what I am noticing is a big uptick in that desire and the readership. And so what's happened, I think, is that people have been forced to face relationships that they otherwise might have been able to avoid or run from or or just, you know, numb out. And not just relationships to others, but their relationship to themselves. And this is a time when that's very, very, very heightened and activated. And Judgment Detox is such a beautiful personal growth book that really helps you develop first a more compassionate, loving, forgiving way of living for yourself. And then, of course, to others. So, yeah, I think it's extremely timely. A hundred percent, especially with... It continues to be more and more timely. Honestly, and especially with how much we're online and on social media. So it's like every... There's just so much more opportunity for judgment when you are in that space of like, 
everything is based on a like or a share or a comment. And it's like, that's essentially little tiny judgments. You know, everything's like a little micro judgment. Mm -hmm. You're like, do I like this? Is this, does this represent me and, and stuff with us being online since the pandemic? So I think that also too has a lot to do with it. And that was like, that gave me hope when you said that. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And you know, you're feeling really good and you're doing a lot of good personal growth work when you're less judgmental. Oh my God. Yes. And now, now sometimes when I feel myself judging or having a judgmental thing that I say, I'm like, ew, I feel gross. I'm like, oh. yeah. 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 Definitely know something's that's off. A really good sign. Yeah. Good sign. Like, good sign. We've seen you speak in person a lot and I feel like you channel and and I would love to know just what allows you that clear vessel. I love that question. Thank you. One, I think like any artist, every great artist who is free in their work is a channel. So when you're in your art, you're allowing. When you're in your most inspired state, you're allowing. When you're doing what you love, you're allowing. So speaking is my art. It's what I love. It's when I'm in my most inspired state. So it's easy to allow in that space. But as well, I've fine-tuned that allowing. I've strengthened that allowing by for in a few ways. One is by really turning it over every time I get on a stage and just saying, spirit, speak through me. It's a it's been an interesting challenge because my talks have all been moved to Zoom. So I'm starting now to play around with like, do I want to stand up? Do I want, right? So because sitting here like this with you casually is awesome because this is the different type style of communication, but giving a live talk, I'm standing, wearing my heels, I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing. So I I think I'm going to start standing up, even though it's Zoom, because there's just certain things, there's certain ways to receive for me. The same way if a musician didn't uh, have her like honey tea before her talk, right? So for me, I really do feel called to stand now. And I feel called to treat the Zoom the same way I would going out in front of a live audience, because even though I don't have that feedback, I still have to be a messenger that has to work even harder now to deliver that truth. And it's it's a really interesting. It's much easier when you've got you know a whole group of energy of people in the room. It's far more difficult when you just have no feedback. Yes. So there's that. Uh, so it's prayer, just getting out of the way and having fun, 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 fun is the catalyst for living in spirit. Mm, completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Last question for me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the bestseller masterclass, which was so powerful and your team is amazing. And it was, I mean, yo, that was, you gave so much information. It was unreal. unreal. I was like, wow, mm -hmm. this is so a woman grateful. that truly wants to help people and truly has no ego about this and truly wants every single person here to succeed because you literally gave us the guidebook plus so much more. And there's so many people listening that are, you know, in this space of health and wellness or spirituality, and they want to create a business that they love, maybe write a book. Um, what advice would you give for someone that is newly to the space that wants to create, you know, a community or write a book or um, start their own conscious business? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, 
The bestseller masterclass, which I'm so glad you guys got to attend in person because that might have been the last mm-hmm. one in person. Now it's this digital course that's always available. Make sure you guys have a link for it to tell yeah. people about it. It's so rad. It 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 was a way of me being able to say, I see all these people wanting to write books right now. And I'm witnessing people that have stories to tell and they just need that clear guidance and direction spiritually and practically. So I created what I think is one of the best workshops for putting together a book and getting it out into the world. So it's it's really all about first and foremost, aligning with what the core message is that you're here to share. And we had so much fun working on core messages with you guys. So what is the core message that you are here to share? And then and, and and what is the clarity with which you're going to allow that message to move through you? And then really, once you have that message, the rest is really quite easy. The rest is kind of plug and play, right? Of course, you have to you know, get into the creative writing process. But without that clear identified vision of where you want to take your reader, you will write yourself into circles. You will feel completely stuck. And so it's that clarity that gives you permission to become that channel Mm. to allow the messages to move through you. And so one of the first things we do in the training is just take you through the core message meditation and the the core message process to identify and underlie that underlying core message. And then, you know, there's amazing stuff in there. I mean, what did Mm -hmm. I give you like a six month marketing plan? Like it was was insane. I was like, are you sure you want to give this to us? I know, honestly, I was (laughs) like, like, wait, and it will work. And (laughs) it's so true. It's so true. And how to write the proposal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're doing it. And how to write the proposal was crazy. Like I, yeah, I was like to Lindsay, it's just being in this space. There's a lot of things that are like masterclasses or, you know, masterminds or whatever, that we could be a part of that would be very expensive and not very helpful. This was like over-delivered by a a zillion times. Like the amount of information and the support and the clarity of which you guys all delivered it was like crazy. So yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah. And that's why we know we launched it last spring, right? When the pandemic was happening, we're like, you know, are people going to do this right now? So, like we were blown away. Wow. Like far more people registered than we thought. So we decided to just keep it open. And so it's open. There's a 12 pay. Like it's easy for people to access. So we'll make sure you guys can link it up. Yeah, it's it's a gift to be able to say, hey, here's what I did. And here's the breakdown and the step-by-step process. And here are the spiritual practices I do to write and to market. And oh God, it's like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do think it's like, I really think it's one of the best. It's the best. Hands down. The best. No, no, it really is. I feel like I'm an expert. We felt so confident leaving there. Like, and that's kind of, you know, I think what holds a lot of people back in creating the thing. And, And for us, obviously it's our first book and we just learned so much and we walked out, we were like, oh, we can we do this. It did. It felt, yeah, it felt easy, yeah. you know, to, to and do. And when you're selling your book, you can put that in your proposal. I did the bestseller masterclass, exactly. which has some has some clout because it says, you know what, I've invested in my process. Yes. So fun, you girls. Yeah. yeah no, I'm so psyched to see that book. Such a gift. Last question from me. I love that You Are the Guru is, is audio. Mm-hmm. And I would... I'm curious, like what inspired you to do solely audio? I was listening to the last like 30 minutes of it on my walk today and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is like, there's something about receiving through the ears like that Mm -hmm. 
that is so powerful. And obviously we're in podcasting, so we understand the power of it. But what what inspired that that choice? You know, it was actually what I was contracted to do. So I had uh, created opportunity with Audible to do what is an Audible original. And people are doing this in different ways. I was one, I think I'm one of the earlier Audible original folks. And I was under the impression that it needed to be a certain number of hours. And for that, I was going to have to really write a book in order to do that. It wasn't like I could just get on and start like just riffing for 15 minutes. I needed to write a book. So I wrote this book and it's a short. I mean, most of my books are 65, 70,000 words. This is probably like 35,000 words. So it's, it's compact. It's, it's concise, but it's a book. And, uh, I have, I will be able to print it within a year from now, but having it come out in audio first is so beautiful because it's allowing folks to really take in the message and just let it permeate. And it's a time when people are walking and more. It's a time when people are really listening more. Uh, people don't always want to read. They want to they just listen. I listen to so many great audiobooks when I drive. And so, uh, and then the best thing about it is if you're an Audible Plus member, you get it for free. It's just automatically put into your library. And if you are not, you can get it for free just by trying out like their 30-day trial thing, the Audible 30-day trial membership. So kind of anybody can get it for free if they wanted to. So that makes me feel awesome because I know that so many more people are seeing it and getting it that need it. And it's it's like a gift. It's like, go listen to You Are the Guru right now for free. Have yes. some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. I, I, I always trust that you're writing a book. <laughs> I know. Honestly. And it's something to look forward to. It's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. And I can't wait for the next one too. You mm-hmm. like... you. You sneaked us and told us the name when we mm-hmm. were at the masterclass, which is incredible. And I know that the experience of postpartum and going through all these therapies has also helped that too. So we're super grateful for that. But um, we always love having you on the show. We love knowing you. We love just like seeing all that you do. And um, it's just such a beautiful thing. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, we're so honored. I love you guys. We love, love you. you. I love that I could just DM you and say, hey, can we do a show about the you are Honestly. The like, yes. Our team's like, Gabby DM'd us. <laughs> <laughs> alert, alert. We're like, let's make any time work. <laughs> I'm like, let, we're down. If the rest of the world were as simple to work with. I mean, so honestly. Yeah. Always here to support. We're yeah. we're truly grateful for you. Right back at you. So Thank proud you. of you. All right. Bye, honey. We Thank love you so you. much. We love you. We'll see you we'll soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Gabby. That was such a good one. You can also listen to the other episode we did with Gabby by searching Almost 30 Gabby Bernstein on anywhere you find podcasts. And then we have the workshop, which is free with Gabby on 10-1. So in two days, it's an intuition reactivation workshop. So it's going to be one-on-one for 60 to 90 minutes with her learning how to reactivate our intuition. You can register in our show notes by going to almost30.com and finding the show notes for Gabby Bernstein. And thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode, BioOptimizers, Sakara, Public Goods, and Aloha. Thanks y'all for listening. We really appreciate you. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. This shows up directly in your 
podcast inbox on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you're called to and this show has impacted you in any way, we would really, really appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It, get, it helps us to get guests like Gabby on the show and just continue to support you all. Yep. You can find us anywhere on social at Almost 30 Podcast or Almost 30, YouTube, Twitter, all of the things. And we will see you next week. Love ya. Bye. Bye.